0: Welcome to another episode of Tigers SRD on the Tiger Minor League Report Network and Detroit.com. I'm Rogers your longest is Chris Brown. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartMedia, Stitchler, and Google Play. You can follow us on Twitter at Tigers ML Report and our new Facebook page, Tigers Minor League Report. Some celebration is worth due, by the way, Chris. I did not tell you on purpose, but uh, the chartable Top 200 list will be coming out tomorrow, and we'll be on the Baseball s- Podcast Top 200
1: Chartable. Yeah. Danny Chartable, that's me. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah. That's glad to hear that.
0: Yeah, so that, that'll, that'll, if that'll you run. think there
1: are two hundred podcasts better than us, you are mistaken.
0: Yes. You are look, if there's a <laughs> No, um it's yeah, it, it it's cool. I it was I got a little email today and from Chartable, so it's that's kinda nice. Uh actually it is nice, I'm not gonna lie. But uh so oh, yeah, they, that's that's very cool. Yeah, so thanks for everybody who listens to us on a regular basis, and uh, we had an in, in interesting encounter on Twitter, but we'll talk about that another time. But uh, thank you for the questions tonight, by the way, and, and thanks, Doc, for having a sense of humor. Yeah. So right on, right on. And tonight we're going to be talking Cardinals with Daniel Daniel Shoptaw. You can find him on Twitter at C70, and he does a lot of different things. Uh, he submitted some questions to me for his blog. It was called Pepper Games, and I thought it was a really—or we Plain Pepper, so I thought it was pretty cool. Thanks. And he's going to talk Cardinals with us. Just a quick overview, not too long. He'll be joining us in the middle of the show. But let's start with spring training, the—a couple, couple of the headlines, of course. The I called—by uh, the by the way, the name of the episode will be The Battle of Who Could Care Less because the battle—in reference to a Ben Folds 5 song, but in battle—in reference to the third base war and the bullpen battle. Yeah. And it's just— you know, let's start with the bullpen, Chris, and we've seen the Tigers, by the way, playing the Red Sox 13-9 today, and Buck Farmer pitched well. The usual suspects, and Gregory Soto pitching out of trouble, but that's what you expect out of Soto, and then you got this little bit of Ronnie Garcia, who I, I saw I saw the highlights. I didn't get to dig deep, but Jose Cisnero, Cisnero got lit up, and Alex Wilson pitched a solid inning. Inning in one-third and loud and three strikeouts. But, you know, Ivan Nova just is what it is. And this is kind of where I think games like this, where you're going to see him get lit up against good offenses. Although Boston, to be Mm -hmm. fair, Boston doesn't really have a good offense. But five or three innings, seven runs, or five runs and seven hits.
1: Yeah, and I think he's going to have outings like this where he just blows up. That's just who he is. He's a guy who can't afford to find too much of the plate. And he did on, on today and, and Boston. I think their offense is okay. You know they got J.D. Martinez and Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers and stuff. I don't think Devers played today. I don't know if Bogarts did, but J.D. definitely took him deep. Um, but yeah, he's he's a guy who he's a guy like the kind of guy I used to kind of hate facing <laughs> that when the Tigers were playing because it seemed like he would randomly just shut him down for seven innings. Uh, but then other times he'll he'll go out there and give up six runs in three innings. So it's just a uh, so, it's one of those annoying Bruce Chen things where you're like, this guy sucks. Why aren't we destroying him? And then it happens enough for you to think that it's going to happen every time, and then he'll shut you down. Uh, and I think he'll do that to some opponents this year. Uh, probably not as much as we would like, but they knew what they were getting. What did they pay him? A million and a half dollars, two million, something like that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to, they're going to hope to get 150 plus innings from him this year. And I don't think they particularly care as long as the ERA is under six.
0: Yeah, he's was not going out there doing Jordan Zimmerman like numbers, and I think they'll be fine. Yeah. But uh no, it's it you know, I was thinking about the Red Sox offense now that I think about it. I just didn't realize with how much Wookie wookie bet gone and they got Alex uh what's uh gentleman's name? Um from the Dodgers, uh oh, Verdugo. Verdugo, who he's, I think he's still hurt, I think. Yeah. And I think yeah, Boston fans are not taking kind to of him already, but I think it's just he's a scapegoat for of course, Betts being traded at Dodgers, but...
1: Yeah, it's a tough situation to put in, get put in for anybody, you know? Got to replace one of the best players in franchise history. Yeah. Good luck, kid.
0: <laughs> one of the best wars for a young player at his time, but yeah, <laughs> here you go. throw you fighter in the wind, but or throwing you right into the fire. Good luck, kid. You're right. And about the bullpen, to get back to the bullpen, Farmer, look at him as pretty much set. And everything else in terms of what, guys that are getting some looks, and Tyler Alexander's getting all the opportunities, making the most of it. So far this spring, he's pitched five innings, got an ERA 1.80. His numbers are pretty solid. He went out there today. He went out yesterday against the Twins, shut down some of their some of the big core of their players, and they're projecting, I know Chris Malkowski, Detroit News, had him projected in the t rotation, but honestly Chris, I don't know, man, like I, I think Tyler Alexander should be in the bullpen this year.
1: It may be that uh, that he might just end up being one of the the best, you know, if they want to do the best 26 or whatever and bring the best 26 players up north, he might be one of them and they might just go that route. I I still think just based on the way that the offseason went down that they want to maintain a couple veteran starters who they can bring up in emergencies when, you know, Jordan Zimmerman's back or neck invariably gets hurt. Uh, but who knows? Like, like I said, they could find out that they just really like him in that role, and he looks like the, you know, their best potential long reliever. And uh, yeah, I mean, I can see that happening. I, I, I still, like I said, I, I expect them to keep him in Toledo, but he he might pitch his way on the roster, so that would be that'd be kind of fun.
0: That would be, and that would be fun because I mean, in a sense that the reason why this might be the case is because you look at they brought in Hector Santiago who has not looked very well and has, I mean, he did not look well last year in between his time with New York and Chicago. And then you have Zach Godley who also has not looked well either. And they're not going to take the motion. So I'm I'm sure those guys, I don't, if I'm being a make a betting man, I don't think those guys are going to make the team. So
1: yeah, no, as of right now, I don't think Santiago or Godley will be with the org Um, just based on the way they performed and, and how it, uh, is consistent with the way they performed in the past. So I, who knows? Maybe one of those guys will be down in Toledo just because they want want a shot. But it yeah, wouldn't wouldn't shock me at all if they're neither of them are in the organization a month from now.
0: I was trying to look up some some Sandy Bias's performance. I haven't had a chance to see him yet, but I was looking at some of his numbers, and it's again to see him back in the mix for possible bullpen spot, probably in Toledo or. Eerie at this point, you don't know where he's going to head, but good to see him out there throwing, and I know he was clocking at ninety three, ninety four, or something like that, I believe.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's that's not what he used to be, but it's early in the spring, and but yeah, what do we hear? That he lost a bunch of weight? Yeah. So he's kind of the kind of guy that just fell off my radar for a while. Um, and... It would be, be like a you know be a fun story if he just popped up out of nowhere and <laughs> suddenly he's in the, the bullpen. But I don't know. I think he's got kind of a you don't really see him mentioned as, as somebody battling for a bullpen spot as of right now. But we'll see what happens as the spring goes along. How much we got? About what three weeks left? Three and a half weeks?
0: Yeah, three and a half weeks. Yep. So
1: yeah, yeah I'm, I'm uh, I'd like to see him. They, they get more games on TV. I think uh, Thursday we got Mize on TV, right, starting the game?
0: Yep, that's correct.
1: So that'll be fun to watch.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll get to see ISOC
1: Paredes. (laughs) Yes, well, he's he's played the last two days. It's one of those things. uh, You know, generally, I try. It it bothers me sometimes when guys mess with their names. Uh, Nicholas Castellanos. I called him Nick forever. I think I just called him Nicholas for the first time, actually. I never wanted to call him Nicholas because I'm like, cut it out. Your name's Nick. That's the way we knew you. And like Matthew Boyd versus Matt Boyd, all that stuff, it bothers me. But i got to be culturally sensitive here, I think. It's very possible that he's always been Isak Peretti, Uh, and just kind of put up with people calling him Isaac. Uh, and so, yeah, it's just going to be something that we're going to have to <laughs> train ourselves to say, Isak.
0: Isak. Yeah, I mean, if it's the same thing when people call me, when they spell Roger, R-O-D-G-R.
1: Yeah, Mr. Roger. Yeah,
0: Roger or Rogelio. Rod. Or Rod. Roger. Hey, my real name is Rogelio. <laughs> I did not want to I'm start calling you Rod. Hey Rod. Like, no, that's fine. Rod <laughs> Just, Martin, how are you? Yeah. Rod Martin sounds like the price is right uh uh guy uh, the former announcer. Rod, Rod Roddy? Yeah, Rod Roddy. Yeah. Come on now. No, but uh, my real name. Is Rogelio and no one can ever say it correctly. So I understand
1: Rogelio. Yeah. There Estilo. you go. See? Oh,
0: look at that. You roll the Rs, dude.
1: Nice. Nice. Well, you yeah, know, I married a half Mexican woman and uh yeah. <laughs> there's absolutely nothing to do with it. No, I um Yeah, it's you know, like I said, like yeah, I don't want to be a dick about it. Yeah he it's it's entirely possible his name is always been Isak. Uh you know, that that's that's not like a crazy pronunciation. Right. I think it's probably you know, Isaac, uh, I think, like, I think of, like, Itzhak Rabin, which is probably, you know, I don't know if that's Palestinian or Arabic or what. I'm pretty bad with this sort of thing, but, uh, you know, I'm sure that's a derivative of Isaac, or Isaac is a derivative of Itzhak, and so it's not that far from, like, Esau in the Bible. I
0: thought you said... I thought you said Esham for a second. I thought
1: you said Esham. <laughs> Not that far from Esham, the rapper, speaking of the Bible. Everybody knows the sunshine. Esau was in the Bible.
0: Esau was in the Bible, I think in the Old Testament, I believe.
1: Yeah, Esau, um, there was, it's it completely random. There was a, uh, my dad told me about this before, there was a, a a classic British comedy troupe called the Beyond the Fringe. I think that's where Dudley Moore got his start. And they had a whole whole skit called uh, Take a Pew. And it was something about the basic idea was uh, like a preacher was just going to pick something out of the Bible and do a whole sermon on it. And the the verse he picked out was, for my brother Esau is a hairy man and I am a smooth. (laughs) And so he had to do a whole sermon about his brother Esau being hairy and him being a smooth man. And, you know, this is the 60s British humor, but it's something that always stuck with me because my dad used to laugh.
0: Yeah, so it was so, P- Peter Cook, Dudley Moore, Alan Bennett, and Jonathan Miller. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Beyond the Fringe. And yeah, they had a bunch of, I'm looking at their Wikipedia page now, so it was uh, Peter Cook. Why do I look for, Peter Cook looks familiar, but
1: anywho. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, a, I think they were a heavy influence on Monty Python, It was, of course, a heavy influence on everybody else. So, anyway.
0: Yeah, well, Monty Python. I think the
1: things you learned in the first segment of Tiger's SRD. <laughs>
0: Next uh next week we're gonna be breaking down the comedy stylings of Kids and Hall. Actually I wouldn't mind doing an episode about Kids and Hall. I could talk about Kids and Hall forever.
1: Oh, that would be fantastic, yeah. Yeah.
0: I uh I, know... I don't
1: think they ever did a skit about baseball, but they definitely had one about squash.
0: Oh they did one about baseball. Scott Thompson oh, did they? Did, Yeah, they did one where Scott Thompson well technically soft it was technically softball, so I can't really say baseball, right. but there was a couple uh scenes where Jay, uh, the blue jays were prominent, but that one scene there's a softball scene where his Character's alter ego, buddy guy. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to send you the link, but it's uh it's fascinating. Either way, but uh,
1: I would like it if if I were a baseball player and like every time I got a hit, I'd love it for the speakers to to yell "Eradicator" like Bruce McCullough. <laughs> eradicator.
0: eradicator. <laughs> it's one of my favorite skills of all time. uh Looks yeah. like um, looks like you cancel another victory for the Eradicator eradicate eradicate yeah, it's, or he's, yeah. Uh, when he's showering with the mask on that's, i love that part so, yeah it's so absurd he said like, you want to take off that mask no it's okay you played a good game <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah. but let's moving on to the, the third base battle before we're, we're gonna get to our guests here in a second and then uh after the break after we talk cardinals we're gonna go in this inside of numbers and our are gonna early for the week but I wanted to talk a little bit about this third base hole situation. And I know Lugo, I think he had a home run today against the Red Sox. And Candelario both have struggled at the plate. And then in our own t- chat, so we have a Twitter chat between myself, Brandon Day, who, by the way, his podcast, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to it, Chris, was really good.
1: I did. Was, yeah. With, uh, with uh, S- David Simon? David Not S- David Simon.
0: Travis Simon? Or was it Travis What's Simon? What's
1: that? Mark Simon? <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad. David Simon wrote The Wire, I think. Simon and Simon? Um, Yes, I'm going to and so i to Schuster. Anyway, the guy from Sports Info, Info Solutions, easy for me to say. Um, yeah, it was really good discussing their new uh, version of DRS defensive run Save, And Brandon asked some really good questions. And Brandon's our friend, so yeah, go listen to that yeah. if you haven't already.
0: It was good stuff. Yeah, and and by the way, I I didn't realize that was a Jay Dilla in the beginning, but was also mm-hmm. you know was um, interesting too. Was is that the it almost felt like he was that typewriter. Every time he like, they cut back to him talking. I was like, "Is Brandon typing?" They, like it was like, it sounded <laughs> like he was in a newsroom. Like, <laughs> no, but good stuff all around. But no, it was in our chat. You mentioned you put Joey Mercer's face when he came to third base, and I started thinking about it. And I think that's a real possibility, Chris. I mean, if if Lugo, and this is the last chance for Lugo and Candelario to stick out here, in, in – Canaleo's got the more like upside, and I used to say that in quotations because he has a better walk rate. He doesn't hit lefties very well, but but he has power against lefties, but hits for average against right, right-handers, right which is a strange thing. But as Mark pointed out in our chat, he's absolutely right. Off-speed pitch. All you got to do is throw him an off-speed pitch away, and he just swings. And with Lugo, it doesn't matter. He swings at everything. His walk rate is less than 4%. But there's a – Isaac Paredes, I mean, unless he has a good camp here – Looks like Jody Mercer could win the battle at third base. Is that realistic or am I just imagining that?
1: Uh no, I I mean that's why I posted that picture. I, I think uh I could see it happening where he ends up I, I one of those two I think is going to win the job to begin the year. But it wouldn't shock me. And I think it'll be kind of just because he's got more upside than Lugo. But it wouldn't shock me if he's struggling come June it wouldn't shock me at all if Jordy Mercer is your starting third baseman or more likely he's your starting shortstop and Nico Goodrum's a third base or something silly like that because I don't trust I just don't trust this uh this group to stick with Nico Goodrum at shortstop despite what the numbers say I feel like they they're still very much eye test types so I don't know we'll see
0: yeah, because I I don't even think that Willie Castro is going to get a fair shake at shortstop, I mean, despite of his impre- the, Im- offensive improvement, or excuse me, defensive improvement. They talk about mm-hmm. the pancake glove and everything. Yeah. I think I mean it would be would be interesting. Is I don't know. I have to look at I have to look this up and how many starts Willie Castro had at third. I mean, if if you're gonna look, if you're gonna not decide between Parade, or excuse me, if you're not gonna have Isak Parades start the year at third base, if you're not gonna go with Lugo or Candelario. I'll have to look, I mean, can Willie Castro play third?
1: Uh, I'm sure he can. I think he's, he's got the, uh, he's got the arm strength to do it. I don't know about, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't see why Elsie, he wouldn't be able to. I think his, you know, he's not, he doesn't have the bat there to profile, but, you know, if they want somebody and get him young, he played, he got one start at third base last year, three Mm -hmm. innings, one put out. That is it, uh. At Triple A, seven starts at second base, 107 at shortstop.
0: Um, but yeah, I mean, he's an option too.
1: I mean, who, who the hell knows, man? We might see Brandon <laughs> Dixon at some point again this year at third base.
0: For all we know, maybe Travis DeMarr plays second at some point. If
1: <laughs> Josh Lester comes up from out of nowhere, <laughs> Daniel Pinero,
0: Frank Frank uh Chanel. we'll yeah. make you know, it Frank up Schwindel, the- they bump him over to third base. Yeah, Brady Priselli, you might cares? see. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Mickey, Mickey's back at third. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is going to be a cue the Benny Hill music on that. But uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking the Cardinals with Daniel Shoptal. And we will just take a quick look around what's going on in St. Louis. They have a very good blog community, Chris. I, I, the one thing about the Cardinals, I will say this, out of anything else, and you can say what you will about Tiger fans, even when St. Louis is struggling a little bit, I I I, I write for Motor City Bengals and their website, their blog is top five all the time. Blue Jays, Atlanta, St. Louis, no matter what. Well, will go at the page views. So if you want to rep on the Cardinals, that's fine. If you're a Cubs, Cubs fan, whatever, what that's fine. But they come on Groves, and they continue to do it every year. And I'm always impressed. But we'll talk a little bit about the Cardinals offseason, a little bit of their prospects, and see how that looks. You're listening to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Minor League Report Network. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Mind Report Network. We're talking to Daniel sure. Shoptaw, and you can find them does two different podcasts. But Daniel, first and foremost, welcome to the show. And we also we have a question we always ask our our first time guests. And first and foremost, pimp out what where you where people can find you where your podcasts are located.
2: Uh, well, you know any. Follow me on Twitter at C seventy, and we put the links out to the shows. Uh, Meet me at Mutual and Gateway to Baseball Heaven are both pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts, as far as I know. Um, and I write at uh, C seventy at the Bat, which is part of the Cardinal Conclave at uh, CardsConclave com slash C seventy. So, uh, I think that's pretty much it. All right, awesome.
0: So, Chris, why don't you ask her the the question? We always ask our first time guests.
1: Yes, indeed. We always like to hear about your earliest baseball memory.
2: Huh. Interesting. I actually came to following baseball regularly kind of late. I was about seventh grade, but I think the, the very vaguest memory I have is that my first game was actually at the old tiger stadium, uh, in 1984. Uh, and I have a vague recollection of being there for that. Um, just remembering being crowded and, and all, you know, kind of how being old and things like that. Um, So I guess that's my very first memory, but, you know, to really lock it down, I think 87 uh, with the Cardinals is when I really started following regularly and remember some things from that season, probably more than anything else. Yeah,
0: that was the year that they lost to the Twins in the World Series, I believe? Yes.
2: Yes, yes. that was that, was that year, um, which was not a lot of fun uh, at the end. But, you know, uh, <laughs> being that you kind of knew – I kind of remember a little bit about 85, and so you had those two years, and you just thought it was going to be there forever, and then it was kind of quiet for a while.
0: Yeah, those 80, the 87 Cardinals team had uh, some really good – some t- talent that you think about now in terms of production – along the mm-hmm. likes of Jack Clark still. I mean, Jack Clark was kind of sl- slowing down a little bit, but Vince Coleman was still a third. I mean, Vince Coleman was in his prime at that point, but mm-hmm. you had Willie McGee who, I don't know, this is the third time we've mentioned Willie McGee in the last three weeks, Chris. So she like, <laughs>
1: did they have Pedro
0: Guerrero?
2: Pa- pa- Pedro Guerrero, Guerrero did not come till 88 when they traded uh-huh. Tutor to the Dodgers. So, no, he wasn't there yet.
0: Uh, former, Pedro Tiger, Guerrero. Pedro Guerrero, <laughs> uh, former Tiger, Pedro Guerrero, former Tiger, Skeeter Barnes was on that squad.
2: Really? Yeah. Really? Yes. Wow,
0: young Skeeter. Yeah, young Skeeter Barnes, and that—that that was a—that uh, was a year two for Terry Pendleton too. That was—I mm-hmm. remember him more as a Brave, but then there was—I had a couple baseball cards with him as a Cardinal, but I just remember that. And then, of course, uh, one of the—I think—an underrated second baseman for his time, Tom Herr, of course. And then I'm trying to think of um, who was out. Yeah.
2: They had a decent shortstop, too. Oh, oh yeah. So, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah.
0: yeah, Some guy <laughs> who did backflips and stuff. Yeah, that, that guy's cool. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, that guy. He was pretty cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then Tony, Tony Pena, who's one of my favorite catchers of all time. Good veteran catcher. But uh, So let's talk about the modern team, and let's look into really in, – in the offseason for St. Louis seemed a little – quiet. I, mean, for, I know a lot of the fans were looking for at the trade deadline. We, we talked last year from Mike Bauer – Mm-hmm. for the Cardinals overtime about them making moves and the lack of it. The offseason talk about the the offseason process a little bit and what for the Cardinals really the NL NL Central, I mean the Cubs were pretty quiet. Milwaukee made some, a little bit of, you know, noise. Pirates did some I guess some, you know, some moves, but the Reds were very active. So talk about St. Louis trying to keep up with I guess four out of the five teams in the division doing something.
2: Yeah, they were, you know, the Cardinals were quiet. They said before the, the, the winner uh, that they would be. I mean, they feel like their payroll is kind of getting to where they're not necessarily comfortable, which you can argue whether they should have a better comfort level on that or not, but that's that's for a lot of teams. Um, and so they went out and they signed uh, a guy from uh, the Korean League, uh, KK Kim, uh, who will with Miles Michaels' injury, probably be in the rotation, but he's a swing guy and should be beneficial. And, you know, that's really about it. Did a little bit of trading, uh, but on the the fringes of the roster. Um, and they're going to hope for, you know, one, a rebound from the offense, and two, some of the young players taking a next step. And, you know, they won 91 games. They were in the NLCS. NL- you. Don't expect them necessarily to make major changes, but it still was a little bit frustrating, especially when you saw them just get, uh, you know, completely shut down by the Nationals to go then through the winter with that in your mouth, uh, taste in your mouth, and not see them do anything to really, you know, overtly uh, fix that.
1: Yeah, that was my big question is, is, you know, they made, they made a very interesting move in the off season, but it wasn't really there for the big league club that was, you know, trading Mm -hmm. for... Matthew Libertor, which was was cool, and it's very yeah. rare when you see somebody just <laughs> like, yeah, we'll trade <laughs> some major league pieces for a pitching prospect. But yeah, like you know, I was going through and looking at what they did in the offseason, and uh, you know, <laughs> you bring back Wainwright, who is of course uh, you know a legend within the franchise, right, but then, right. and Matt Wieters. But then you said you brought in the the, the Korean lefty, mm-hmm. and then it's Brad Miller,
2: and yeah, I mean yeah, it, it, it's. And Miller like- wasn't until the until spring training started. So, uh, you know, you're still it was it was even quieter actually during the winter. Um, it, the, the trades that they did make, they got rid of like you say, Jose Martinez and Randy Rosarena, uh, and then they they lost their, or they sent um, Adoles Garcia to Texas for cash, I think. Um, the, the benefits of those t- trades for the current roster is that it does free up room, free up time. For guys like tyler o'neill and lane thomas who have shown good potential they showed that they can produce at the major league level we're just going to see if they're going to be able to do that when they've got a full uh slate of playing time or at least they hopefully will get a chance we'll see if if dylan carlson forces the issue a little bit there but um the hope is that they're going to bring in these this young talent's going to get a chance to shine and and be better than what they traded away and we'll have to see if that happens.
1: Yeah, you know, that was I was going to ask a little bit about the the prospects eventually, but I, I guess one thing I wanted to touch on at first, let's just I guess start with the the rotation. Mm. Because you had, you know, flarity was an ace basically in the second half last year. Mm. Uh and and you hope that he can repeat that for the full season. But then after that, it's I don't know, you got Michaelis who who will eat some innings and they brought William Wright back, but and what are they? Apparently, they're they're moving Carlos Martinez back to the rotation.
2: Am I mistaken there, or is right. that no? That's that's correct. And you know, of course, Michaelis is hurt right now. The idea is maybe he would be back by May, but it's a forearm issue, and you know, you know how those go. Oh, I it, mean, you know, yeah. who knows who knows when or where or what's going to be there. So I don't know that you you, you base a, a lot on him right now. But yeah, I'm being Carlos Martinez right now looks like he's trained better in this offseason probably he has before and you know Carlos has been a top top-notch starter I mean he's a, he's about the only guy on the roster that could at his best yeah you hope Wainwright can, can kind of do what he did last year uh you know as your fifth starter hopefully uh we'll have to see what Kim does and then you got Dakota Hudson who is a guy that was a little bit scary because you know his FIP and all the other things made like his season was a lot worse than it was because he walked guys last year with uh i don't remember his name um and so far i think he's got like maybe one walk this this spring so if he can keep that down he's a ground ball guy he's not gonna strike out a lot of guys but if he doesn't put guys on with with walks and continues to get the ground balls he's a solid middle of the rotation guy so the, the cardinals hope that you know that's gonna hold because it has to uh if, if this offense doesn't come around like it should uh or like if it if it's more like it was last year than it, it was the year before, then if the pitching takes a step back, they take a really big step back. Now in in the bullpen seemed to have some guys, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, where
1: some guys just seemingly like stepped up out of nowhere, at least to me, you know, Giovanni Gallegos and, and was it Gant? Um hmm. uh has there been any discussion within circles there about possibly like bullpenning?
2: No, there really hasn't been. Um, even the opener idea hasn't has been mentioned at times here and there, but it's never really gotten a lot of traction. The Cardinals have a lot of different guys at Memphis as well as at St. Louis level that they feel can can be starters. You know, even if it's just a five innings or or six innings, that can that hold line, and they'd rather keep their guys like. Like Brevia, like Gallegos, and uh, in a more triple bullpen role. I, 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 you know, who knows? They need a fill-in game if they'll do something like that. And so far, you know, like I said, the last year the pitching staff was a strong suit, so there may be a reason. Has
1: there been any updates on, on Jordan Hicks? When did he go down, last year in like May?
2: Yeah, uh, June, May, June, somewhere in there. He's he's okay, so. progressing just like pretty much on schedule. I think they're looking for him All Star break or maybe a little bit after this year. Um, you know, just that year plus that you usually get from Tommy John. Um, he he's in camp. I you know he hasn't been throwing or anything that I know of, but uh, he's doing all the the other baseball stuff that you do. Um, and as far as as far as I can tell, as far as I've heard, he's on schedule.
0: In terms of, in terms of a, a guy like Alex Reyes, who sounds like he's finally healthy, three last, mm-hmm. the last couple seasons just keeps going down, but you see his stuff, it's it's really good when he's on, but in terms of where he's going to be in for the bullpen, are they going to keep on a really short leash, or what's the plan for Alex Reyes this year?
2: I think that he's definitely going to be a bullpen piece because he just doesn't have the innings. You know, as you say, he he pitched in 16, but then he missed all of 17 with Tommy John. He missed all but four innings of 18 and then pitched just a little bit at the beginning of last year and then went to Memphis because he was a little bit uh, erratic. He was walking a lot of guys, went to Memphis, and then wound up getting hurt down there. So he hasn't thrown a lot of innings over the last three years. So I think they're going to keep him in the bullpen Right now, yeah, he's still a work in progress. He, he he's got some great stuff. He's still trying to figure it out. You know, like I think his most recent outing, he went two innings, struck out four, but gave up a, you know, gave up a home run maybe, or gave up, at least gave up a, a, a two out single that drove in a run. He had some some bad pitches, but for the most part, he's starting to look a little bit. I don't know if he'll ever be the guy that Alex Reyes was supposed to be when he was coming up just after all that. But um, he, I would imagine he'll play a role in the bullpen and, and it should be a pretty, a pretty potent one.
1: Yeah. So, and I want to talk a little bit about the offense now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, the infield still looks pretty darn good. You know, Paul DeJong or DeYoung, I guess is how yeah. it pronounces it right. right. Yeah. Um, he's been a kind of a revelation in the last few years. Uh, and the rest of the infield, you know, you got Goldie over there and, and, so that looks solid, but the outfield is, is a bit questionable here. You, know, you lost Marcelo Zuna, who wasn't some world beater, but that's still a fair amount of production you have to replace. Do you see somebody on the current
2: roster coming and in, in,
1: filling that in, or do you think it's Glenn Carlson time?
2: I think that Tyler O'Neill. we saw Tyler O'Neill last July fill in for Marcelo Zuna because Zuna was out for basically the whole month. And when Tyler O'Neill got to play regularly – he hit 300 and he hit with power. Um, you know, I don't know that he's a 300 hitter overall, but I think that given the opportunity, he could really uh, take advantage of that and at least put up what Ozuna has put up over the last couple of years. Because Ozuna was a little bit better than league average for the most part overall over the last couple of seasons. Plus, the defense was was definitely not. If you saw him ever climb the wall for a ball that fell off the warning track, um, <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, weird. yeah. So. O'Neill's a better glove, and he's and he's got he's got just as much power. I mean, O'Neill's the son of a, a former bodybuilder, and he looks the part. Um, and he, he can hit the ball yeah. a very long way. So um, I think that he can give enough opportunities to do it.
1: Yeah, I remember him in the I think it was the Fall Stars game, Arizona Fall League, hitting home runs <laughs> off a of tee, uh, you
2: know, <laughs> oh, which God. is always fun. Yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, you know. I, you know I was so we've already we already touched on Libertor and Carlson but I, we might as well go into the, the farm system just a little bit because Carlson is obviously the, I, I think he's the he really seemed to to pop up pretty big last year you know I think he came in the season as, as the big name and he was okay but uh, I think he took a little bit of a step back but yeah Carlson he seems like the real deal Although there's I'm high on him as other sites but uh, I'm curious if you've seen him and, and what you know about him what you like about him
2: uh, yeah. Fangraph seems to be the very outlier because everybody else is seeming to, to put him um, really in the top, top 10, 15, 20 prospects in baseball right now. And, he, and he's looking like it. I mean, he's gone. I think there was a stretch of about 12 at bats this spring where he got on base 11 times. Uh, so he looks like he's ready. He's, you know, he was the uh, Texas league MVP last year, even though he spent the last month or so at Memphis and, um, it's just going to come down to, you know, whether the Cardinals want to give O'Neill and Thomas this idea a little bit more playing time because once he play, once he comes to majors, he needs to be playing every day. And I think that's the idea for the Cardinals. He will be up before June, I would, unless something really strange happens. Um, and he very well may go north with them and be the, be on their team opening day. You know, I think,
1: I think Dylan Carlson, his dad is a baseball coach, right?
2: Yes, yes, he is, and so he's, he's one of these, you know, these guys that you hear about. Of course, you hear a lot about a lot of guys, I think, but one of these, the smart baseball types that really has a really good IQ for this game and has a good feel for it. Plus the fact that he's very talented, at switch hitter again. They've worked him out. He can, he's going to probably even challenge Harrison Bader in the outfield, not with the glove, but just because overall game. Um, so he's got a chance to play all three positions in the outfield. Um, there's just not much. I don't really think there's anything that I can think of. Uh, You know, maybe he's not a blazing speed, but he seems to be a fairly smart base runner, Uh, has a good arm. Um, There's really not a whole lot of holes in his game. It doesn't look like right now.
1: Yeah, his dad, there was I don't know. He must have played at the high school, too. But uh, Mm -hmm. that's a pretty famous high school in California. I think that I think that might be where Derek Hill, Tigers prospect, went. But I know it's Mm -hmm. uh, J.D. Davis and Nick Madrigal went to that high school. Um, so he's seen, seen some serious talent.
2: Yeah, yeah. Pretty good roster.
1: Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we, I touched on Gorman a little bit. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about his year, what you expect from him this year. what? Yeah, the, he, uh,
2: Um, it's interesting to see they've played him at least, uh, when I recorded my show Sunday night, um, at that time he had the most at bats from anybody of the Cardinals this spring. Um, last year, Dylan Carlson was on the team in spring training up until the very final day when they made their very final cuts is when they sent Carlson to double a because partly to let him soak up the experience and, and learn, I feel like they're maybe doing that with Corbin a little bit this year, um, and letting him follow in that path. Uh, he's, he's still got, he's, he's improved his fielding. Uh, it looks like he's going to be able to stay at third, which is not something that everybody thought of when he was drafted. Um, he's just got to continue to get better. I mean, he's only 19 right now. I think and turn 20 this year. Um, and he'll be playing it. He'll be playing at Springfield, a double a. And, um, when, you know, he's just, a, when you're a double a, you're that call away from the major league. So, um, he could be, he could be up. Probably not this year, but sometime next year I wouldn't be. I would be very surprised if he wasn't up by uh, midseason next year.
0: So a guy like Andrew uh, – oh, sorry, Chris, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask about Andrew Kaiser, who, who got called up last yeah. year for a cup of coffee. Free, free yeah. him. Free Knisner. Yeah, free I was just going <laughs> to <Free> say. <Knizner>. <laughs> <laughs> and t- talk about him being – it looks like he might be the heir apparent for or Molina. He hit really well. He hit over 300 in his just a short period of time. But – in terms of how major league ready is he, is he ready to take over the spot uh, for every day? I mean, I, I think judging by Chris's answer, that would be yes. But just wanted to confirm.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think so. I, th- I mean, that's the problem with catchers in the Cardinal organization. They're developing catchers a whole bunch. They've got a guy uh, Ivan Herrera that's coming up behind. Yeah. He's 19, probably nineteen, I think. Yeah, and I think he. I don't know if he'll be at Springfield this year as well or not. But. Um, you know and there's a couple others in the organization Julio But the Robbie problem is you. you never get to see them at the big league level because there's Yadier Molina who plays you know 140 games if he's healthy um until Yadi moves on it's hard hard to know i think Kisner could be is ready i think he could play well you kind of saw what Carl Carson Kelly did when he went out to Arizona Um, I think Kisner could do something similar to that if he went to a place Um, but you know they're talking there is the the buzz the talk that you know Yachty's uh, contracts up at the end of the year but he's talking about wanting to play a couple more years Cardinals will probably extend him in in that time in which case that probably makes Kisner tradable because by the time Yachty actually does leave uh, Herrera will be knocking on the door
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's one of those tough things where he's another franchise icon, you know, one of the Mm -hmm. best defensive catchers uh, of of all time. But, you know, we saw the Cardinals kind of, uh, you know, they had Albert Pujols, and they eventually Mm -hmm. decided not to get him. But it would be a different case with uh, Yachty, I think.
2: Yeah, I don't know if the Pujols situation has, it may have influenced this because they've, you know, they've done so much to try to keep Adam Wainwright around. They continue to extend Yadier Molina, and then they picked up Matt Carpenter and gave him an extension when they didn't have to, which really burned them last mm-hmm. year. Um, but they do seem to be really focused on legacy players, um, which is cool, um, especially when they're at the level of, of Molina and Wainwright. You wouldn't want to see them playing anywhere else, but um, you also have to be careful that you know you don't get too too wrapped up in that.
1: So I was gonna, you know, there's a uh, people talked, joked about it uh, online for years uh, about the Cardinals' devil magic. <laughs> there was also yeah. yep. some Royals' devil magic there for a while, but the Cardinals' devil magic always seems to be where they get these high quality players from out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. You know, if, you know it was, was DeYoung and then uh, Tommy Hedman last Tommy year. Tommy Hedman, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna ask you to put your prognosticator cap on and then who's the next <laughs> random. 38 oh. comes up and puts up a four war season
2: shoot um <laughs> oh i should know this um because i'm, I'm gonna take
0: I, a guess by the way i'm gonna i'm gonna guess uh they, they picked up that ricardo sanchez who was in with the mariners mm. uh mariners i think when the angels too i i don't know i feel like he's the next like he's got three pitches and it seems like a guy that the cardinals can turn around and make him a back-end starter and win 15 games out of nowhere but that's just me
2: yeah, I mean that's that's a fair thing too. There's a couple of middle infielders guys coming up. Uh we've got a, a guy in the Cardinal our Cardinal Twitter blogosphere that's Kyle Reese, who does uh a lot of prospect rankings and uh he would be able to answer this a lot better than I am. But uh I feel like there's some other guys like that. I, I if you really want one one that's really out of there, I don't know that I believe it, but Kramer Robertson has been coming up and he's he's one of those guys that's uh you know gritty dirt face. I feel like he's one of those guys that he might not be completely turtle devil magic, but he could come up and have a good <laughs> s- strong six weeks and everybody's like, where's this guy coming from? And then he might fall off the face of the earth, but, um, no, you know, he's, he's got the perfect name for it. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's right there. Uh, his mom's actually the coach of the, uh, women's, uh, Baylor bears, uh, team. So, you know, oh. he's got uh, winning in his, uh, in his family. Um, I could just see him being a guy that, you know, has to come up because there's been an injury and just, you know takes the world by storm for at least a few weeks. (laughs) That's, yeah, that's a good call. I like that. I wanted to talk to you about
0: also Angel Rondon, who Mm -hmm. there's a couple sites that are saying that he is expected to be kind of a breakout guy for, for St. Louis, him. And along the lines, I I know he's been struggling and he was, I think he, he has, he was suspended for a little bit. And it's a Griffin, um, uh, Griffin Roberts Griffin Roberts. yeah in, mm-hmm. in, in, in tr- Kind of trouble some Past a little bit and th- Those two are those those arms Are in terms of Griffin Roberts do you think This is the year he kind of makes a little bit of progress out of Single A gets into Double A territory and then For Rondon what do you think of Rundon?
2: Um, I think Griffin Roberts Yeah I think he's you know he obviously he started Off his career with a, a suspension for Marijuana and then he had some injuries he's he Kind of had a lost Year last year but he's got, you know, a really good slider and a situation where if he, if if they want to move him as a reliever, which I think he's still starting right now, but there's a lot of feel like he's going to shift to being a reliever because of that. Um, he could move quickly with that. Uh, Rendon, I don't know a lot about Rendon. I know that he's, he's coming. Um, I would imagine he's probably looking at a triple a, he might, he might start a double a, then make his way to Memphis this year. Um, but he's, yeah, he's got a lot of buzz about him as well. Uh, him and um, Johan Ophiedo, of- who's looked really good in spring too, are some guys that, that may start, you know, as the Cardinals continue to, to churn out pitchers, uh, be the guys that will be coming up in the next year or two to fill, you know, Adam Wainwright's spot or, you know, whoever else may be uh, leaving the team. This is an organization, Chris.
0: It seems like they can throw out starters, back end starters, or relievers, like it's nobody's business. Meanwhile, the Tigers are. Getting Zach Godley and uh, <laughs> Hector Santiago yeah. for bullpen spots—it's ridiculous. But so, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I don't know.
1: This is—I I always kind of view Cardinal fandom as almost like the baseball equivalent of Pittsburgh Steeler fans. Uh, it seems like I, I, I'll run into Cardinals fans anywhere I go. Oh,
0: um, <laughs>
1: and I, I don't—I can't yeah. really explain that because I don't think there's like a huge. Diaspora from St. Louis across the country. Maybe there is, and I don't know. But it, it's just something. And I don't. I think, you know, they, they what do they have the second most World Series championships behind yep. the Yankees? I yeah. think, yeah, it, it's uh, the legacy of winning will do that for
2: you. And well, it's it, kind of interesting to see. Yeah, it, it, I don't. Part of it is also. Um, you know, back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, when there was nothing, you know, St. Louis was as far west as you went, and all that. Uh, KMox, that radio station, would go all the way out to to Colorado and New Mexico, and 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 I think cardinals were made listening to the radio a generation or two ago, and they just passed it down. I think that's part of why. Yeah, I, I know we watch when I'm watching the games, and they'll they'll be in Arizona or they'll be in Colorado, or whatever. And there's tons of red out there. I mean, for the fact that they're visiting. Um, I think that's. A large part of it. I mean, the winning helps, and they've been on—you know—they've been in the postseason a lot, um, and so they're on TV where everybody can see them. Um, but I think there's just a kind of a built-in history with the Cardinals, and they—it gets passed down a little bit, and—and and that's why you see it a little bit more, you know, decentralized.
0: Yeah, they do a better job of covering the the radio does a better job of the covering it than the app does. Cause the app is shut out everywhere else, but the radio station yeah. covers more ground <laughs> sure. than the app does. It's just ridiculous. Sure. <laughs> but, uh, all right. So you can find Daniel at C 70. You can follow him. Uh, just a bunch of me, the podcast. Meet me at mutual and go to Cardinals com slash C 70. Find his work there. All sorts of great stuff. St. Louis probably predicted to possibly repeat. Is that safe to say, Daniel? Or do you think uh, do you think Milwaukee's going to come out of nowhere?
2: I think the I think the Cardinals are still the ones that are should be favored to win. Uh, you know, Milwaukee lost some pitchers, and I know they've done a little bit, but um, and the Cubs didn't do much. Everybody kind of stayed pat except for the Reds, and they still had like. Eighteen games to make up, so I think the Cardinals are still the favorite, but I think it's also a very tight division, and you know, a, a, a bad injury for anybody um, that could be the difference in the in the race. Yeah,
0: the, the the St. Louis is just gonna, like I said, Chris is Chris is probably right. There's gonna be two or three or four relievers. There're gonna be four war pitchers, and <laughs> it's just gonna happen again per normal. But uh, thanks, Daniel. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks.
0: Three, two, one. Welcome back to Tigers SRD on the Tiger Manager Report Network. Thanks to Daniel for joining us. You can find him at Twitter at C70. Daniel Shoptaw. It was funny because when I went to go say his name, I totally coughed, and it was <laughs> we had a little fun with that. So hopefully you enjoyed that, but I did not mispronounce that name. So, but... Shoptaw. Uh, Shoptaw. Rocking rockin the Shoptaw. But, of course, you know, the Cardinals fans doing... Their thing, and you know, we were talking earlier about they have a, you know, it's they have a problem down there, essentially with Fox Sports in Midwest. Until YouTube, the YouTube TV, by the way, came to the rescue. It was reported last week that they were not going to YouTube TV and St. Clair Bog, uh, Broadcasting, which now owns Fox Sports, all the regional affiliates of Fox Sports, almost did not come to agreement. But think. God they did because I did not want to get rid of YouTube TV because YouTube TV has unlimited DVR it's fantastic I can watch games at work because it's the app is really cool and I did not want to get rid of it because I didn't watch I didn't Hulu TV stream would have been another 10 bucks so you have regular cable right Chris
1: yeah we have regular cable I I feel like we should cut the cord at some point but I'm too lazy to look up the options so <laughs>
0: I'll just, email you you all the li- I'll just email you all the options like, over oh here, Chris. Uh, I'm, not only am I too lazy to look
1: up the options, I'm too lazy to research and do it. <laughs> it's very easy. They pipe this cable into my house. Uh, I have all the channels I need. <laughs> they they got rid of the uh, NFL Network really? at some point. I, I didn't notice. I don't particularly care that much, but uh, Tara did enjoy watching the Combine. as <laughs> the underwear Olympics. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, other than that, we – I don't know. I mean, we we definitely don't need – you know, we've got 2,000 channels or whatever. We don't need them all. We don't watch – we probably watch 30 different channels.
0: I feel like you watch – every time I talk to you, I feel like you're watching Netflix. So you're watching essentially Netflix and then some – like either baseball – like net, baseball, Netflix, and something – or a channel for Harrison. That's, that's how I feel like that you watch.
1: Yeah, well, you – the – when I had my baseball meltdown last May or June and tried to quit everything, um, I really kind of started watching Netflix. I just started enjoying like, like basically all my free time was writing and podcasting last year, the first couple of months. And, uh, so I just kind of settled down and watched a whole bunch of Netflix and, uh, yeah, I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's like I could live without the cable for sure. It's just, uh, you know, might as well have it. Yeah. You never fun. know when uh, you're going to have to stay in your house for a month because of COVID-19. It,
0: or, yeah, or yeah or coronavirus or whatever is going on. Yeah. Whatever insert media. Story.
1: Yeah, I mean, did you, did you see that in Italy they're like, no more school, canceling school from kindergarten to college. And for the next month, all sporting events are played without any uh, – <laughs> Crowds? Any people in the stands?
0: Yeah, so Serie A, by yeah, the way. Crowd, yeah, Serie yeah, yeah, A, by the way, the soccer league, the top league in Italy, will not do handshakes to start the game. Like, that's a traditional thing because of fear of the coronavirus, which I think is <laughs> utterly ridiculous. I mean, these guys are the it most... Is,
1: li- it is fairly ridiculous when you consider they're going to be running into each other for the next 90 minutes. But,
0: yeah. uh, hey, you know, I guess
1: uh, you set examples for the, the rest of... <laughs> It'd be funny if this just gets rid of the handshake altogether.
0: Yeah, that's just an excuse because some germaphobe was like, you go, yes, finally, I don't have to touch anybody's handshakes like that. That to me is what's going Mm -hmm. on is here's the thing, too, about that whole handshake scenario. You do it for five seconds. I mean, what? You're not going to go out and wash your hand. Like, what? here's the thing about the coronavirus. Before we get to inside numbers, this is ridiculous. I had an email today Mm -hmm. that was explaining to me that I had to wash my hands like I did not Mm -hmm. know that already. <laughs> like I think, like I mean, come on, seriously. Like, am I that am I that dumb that I forget to wash my hands out of the? Ba- I mean, there is are just disgusting people. Let's not kid ourselves. I've yes, seen no,
1: and there. I think there are more of them than we realize because if you spend any amount of time in a bathroom at a workplace, you'll notice. Oh yeah, there's a fair amount of guys who just go in there and leave without washing their hands. And I'm not just talking about people who go pee.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there was a. I'm not gonna say where I was working. Well, let, let's just say. There's a place I used to work at that I, there was one dude who never washed his hands anytime, and I avoided him like the plague. It was disgusting. Chris, the, the moment I found out he didn't wash his hands, I, I, it forever changed my opinion of him because he was, it was, it was, it was really, really random because he didn't, he, he never gave, like, I never wanted to ask him why because it's like, you know, it's impolite. But then one somebody saw him do it, and my, it was my manager called him out. I was like, why don't you wash your hands? I really didn't, and his exact quote, I'm not kidding. Well, I used toilet paper. I didn't touch. I didn't touch anything. So what's the big deal? He didn't understand. That, yeah. Anyway, oh. that was one dude, and it was <laughs> and he didn't. Work, luckily for me, he didn't work in the food service job I had. He was. It was in a retail job, but I never. I never went near him. That was. It was just disgusting. That was the only case where I saw it. Is, but at my restaurant, I, the the place I was working at beforehand, I had a really, really like enforced like every everybody was really good about washing their hands. So. That was cool, but as it should be. I mean, it should be it makes sense. But like, there's you, you're right though. There's so many people who don't do it. It, it blows my mind. Yeah.
1: No, we, we were in a restaurant uh, a couple of years ago, and Ryan came out and he said, uh, "Yeah, the manager was in there and he didn't wash his hands." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> so we told the other people. That he came to he came to us. He's like, "I'm so sorry. I wasn't in there using the bathroom. I was just checking in the toilets. So I have to do that every now and then." And I'm like, "Okay, still." <laughs> watch those, watch those hands, guy. Yeah, you're in the on. bathroom, but whatever.
0: Yeah. Anyway. anyway, yeah. Anyway, there's there's some interesting, uh, there's some interesting. Uh, I don't, this whole coronavirus thing is, uh, if you're elderly or young, just be careful. Everything else seems like it's just a little, little overkill. I don't know. That's just me. Yeah. But by the way, it's. Uh, I feel like in some case, in some cases, with that. People just, I don't get your facts. Make sure, just take care of yourself. There you go. That's all. This all need to know. So, take care
1: of yourself,
0: baby. Yeah. Let's, and let's end this awkward segment. <laughs> it's telly in, is, uh, Yeah. Who loves you, baby? Kojak. Yeah, Kojak. Yeah. Yeah, oh Jack. yeah, who
1: loves you, baby?
0: Yeah, that's someone. Yeah. Let's go and let's go inside the numbers a little bit. And I'll I'll kick things off. And the, my number is one one forty three, and that's how many four seam fastballs that Dario uh, all threw last year. And. He was hitting 94 on the gun in Lakeland. And they have a new gun, so it's not that exaggerated gun that they had last year. So he threw 143 last year, and his average last year, Chris, was 90, 90 to 91, according to StatCast. And so the uptick in his fastball does set up his slider really well. Of course, we all know him as a sinker pitcher, minus that home run he allowed. He looked, he's looked pretty good in camp so far. And Akazal, you don't know where you're going to put him, whether he's going to start this. He will probably start the season in Toledo, but. I mean, I know, Chris, you talked about this before. The uptick of velocity always kind of raise an eyebrow because that'd be the first sign of arm trouble sometimes when it jumps up like that. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> sometimes it can be. It, yeah. it, uh, you know, I don't know. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention. I don't know if he was pitching overseas this winter. Did he pitch in, uh, in the Dominican or anything like that?
0: I, I, no, I don't think so, no.
1: So, yeah, it, it could just be that... Uh, so there, you're saying that that uh, Savant had him throwing According- at 91 uh, on his four seamer?
0: Yeah, on his four seamer. That's correct. So last year his average for his four seam fastball, he threw it 143 times, was 90 point. I'm sorry, I'm sorry 90.8. His slider uh, was at 83, and his changeup was at 85. The average.
1: Well, I mean, this could be a positive development for sure. I, I still don't think he's going to be like you know a great pitcher, but. There, there are some who think that the Tigers have gotten better at pitch design and uh, improving pitchers' arsenals. And we do know that pitchers tend to leave Pittsburgh and get better. Uh, I even joked about that when they acquired him. So, I, I mean, that would be interesting. I think that uh, – I mean, they took him off the 40-man, right? That's correct. So, but but I suspect that he will be uh, starting in Toledo in – like we said about Tyler Alexander, I I, I would think we'll see Alexander and Agrizal starting before we see any of the big prospects. And but who knows? Like you said, if he's throwing ninety four in short bursts and showing an improved slider, he might he might just make the bullpen.
0: Yeah, I mean his sinker was his. Go- I mean he threw his sinker fifty five percent of the time last year, but his slider looked pretty good. And Aguizal, look, I here's the thing: I think Aguizal is going to be Jordan Zimmerman's replacement. If Zimmerman, who by the way threw in threw in simulation games the other day just to get his work in, but Zimmerman has not looked good in camp. And if you're going to drag him out for 30 starts and expect that ERA to be at seven, fine. But if you're not, and you're going to do something with him, whether put him in the bullpen or put him out of his misery and get him a pay, like just, you know, see a uh, whatever. And I'm not trying to rag on Zimmerman, but look, if Akazal can go out there, throw his throw his fastball, to set up his slider and sinker well, you got a guy that you got. A, you got one hell of a deal, and without compromising your young pitcher. So if he can go out there and do that consistently, Tigers may have gotten a bargain. And originally, we, we scratched our heads. I remember you and I both were kind of like, "Okay, what was that all about?" And maybe, maybe they Are saw, sure? yeah, maybe they saw something, Chris. Maybe you're right. Maybe they saw something in his pitch design that maybe they could improve on. Who
1: knows? Yeah that 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 would be a, that would be a welcome sign and and proof. I mean, they. I don't know who was saying it, it was Long and Hagen or Kylie McDaniel. Somebody FanGraphs was suggesting that they've they've gotten better with specific pitch design and improving pitchers. So this would be another uh, data point in that. So yeah, I'm excited about
0: that. All right, Chris, what's your inside number this week?
1: Also, just for fun, you could put his face on Daria. <laughs>
0: <We're> <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Who's gonna be who's gonna be your friend? Uh, what's what was your friend's name? Oh,
1: okay. I, I got to be honest, I never watched the show, but I, I, you know, that other people did, and I remember her. <sighs> I remember her mostly, her mostly from Beavis and Butthead, but.
0: That show, no, her. It would be
1: fun to go back and watch that. Yeah,
0: Her own show was pretty funny. So, um, but yeah, I was going to take it. Who's going to her sidekick was? Her brother, her brother, she had really, I think her, she ever no, her sister was like kind of the complete opposite, kind of airhead. But, anyways, I digress. I went on another while or another tangent, but go ahead. Uh, what's your intent on this week, Chris?
1: Uh, my inside the number is 22. And this is kind of off the board. We've never done this before, but that comes from college baseball. That is the number of RBIs that Memphis, University of Memphis catcher Hunter Goodman tallied last weekend alone. Holy sh... <laughs> yeah. In one weekend, he went 9 for 16 with two doubles and four homers in three games. Uh, he had seven RBIs and had a Grand Slam on Friday. Four RBIs and a Grand Slam on Saturday. And 11 RBIs and a Grand Slam on Sunday. <laughs> um... Yeah, so he hit a grand slam three days in a row. I guess they were playing Western Illinois, which isn't exactly a you know super powerhouse. And if you're thinking about like individual performances, four homers is pretty good. But Nick Gonzalez hitting five home runs in one day is more impressive because you know getting 22 RBIs you, you have to just kind of be lucky with people on on base in front of you. But still, it's insane. I've never heard of anything like that. 22 RBIs in one in one weekend. Be interesting to look at how many tigers got a bunch of at bats last year without getting 22 RBIs. So interesting. I'm gonna look at it right now. But I will say <laughs> that Hunter Goodman is also—he's uh, not just a, a bum. He's actually a, a prospect for the 2021 draft. He's only a sophomore, probably not a first rounder because he's pretty aggressive. But uh, he's a legitimate catcher with plus power, and uh, guys like that—you know—they don't come around that often. So it's a, the name to remember, Hunter Goodman.
0: I like—I like that. What I, what I liked about that too, Chris, is that I was thinking because he plays what the the All american Conference now. It used to be Conference USA. That's what Memphis plays in.
1: Yeah, I see.
0: Okay, so yeah, I I was making sure that it was a pro. Like I'm glad you cleared that up because I was going to ask you does he play in a bum conference? But if he's a legitimate prospect, then I will shut up.
1: Yeah, I mean it's 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 uh you know a group of five or whatever they call it. The, not one of the power five conferences, but yeah, he's a legitimate prospect uh, and somebody. they – uh, remember, so I'm looking. Jordy Mercer had 22 RBIs last year in 74 games. <laughs> Jeez. Grayson Griner had 15 in 83 games. Oh. So, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, Grayson Greiner, Gordon Beckham had 15 in 83 games. Anyway, yeah, it's, it's a heck of a weekend. You're not going to top that ever. So good good for you, Hunter Goodman.
0: Yeah.
1: Hunter Goodman.
0: I wonder how many, of, how many of those balls he saves, too. <laughs>
1: Who knows? Four, three grand slams. <laughs> Four grand slams. You're tired of that. Oh, uh, yep, Another Grand Slam.
0: Another Grand Slam. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Denny's may approach him at some point, but then the NCAA would be like, hey, look, you're making some money. can't do that.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: so, sure. All right, so let's move on to the – we have some. We do have some questions this week, but I do want to go into the good, the bad, and ugly this week. Chris, I'll, I'll let you lead that off. High fly ball. Yes! Yikes! Yikes! Cut it off. Got covers. He's out. Oh, he's safe. He is safe.
1: Alright, well my good is Juan Soto. And uh, this shocks no one. <laughs> you know He's been one of the most impressive players the last two years. But uh, I was just kind of looking through spring training stats because what else are we going to look at at this point? And I noticed that he was leading everyone with eight walks. Which just seemed perfectly Juan Soto to like still taking his professional approaches to the plate in spree training. Uh, he's also three for ten with a double, a home run, and two steals. And none of that means anything, but uh, I do think he's got a chance to do something pretty historic this year. And he's already done historic things, like you know, he's twenty one last year or he's twenty one this year. He was twenty last year um, and hit uh, two eighty two with thirty four home runs and one hundred eight walks as a twenty year old. I mean, that doesn't happen very often, but but with uh, with Anthony Rendon gone. I, I think there's a chance his walks can skyrocket this year. I think teams are just not going to bother, and we know he's not going to chase that much. So, uh, I mean, and I, I think it's kind of conservative to just say he's going to hit 280 with 30 home runs and 120 walks this year. So that's that's only like 12 more walks, but I think he could, he might be up at like 140. Um, but going, going 280 with 30 home runs and 120 walks has been done 65 times in Major League Baseball history, only uh, five times last decade. Mike Trout did it in 2018. Votto and Judge did it in 2017. Uh, Bryce Harper did it in 2015. And Jose Bautista did it in 2011. So it's not super rare. But if we filter for the number of times a 21-year-old has done that, uh, we get zero. Uh, and, you know, that's not like traditional triple crown stats. but That's kind of crazy offensive production. It's only been t- done twice by 22-year-olds. Ted Williams, the year he was at 1941, and Bruce Harper in 2015. So I think, you know, like I said, I think there's a strong chance that uh, Juan Soto is going to do something we've never seen before this year, and it's just kind of funny. You know, this is this is he's tracking to be one of the, the great offensive players of all time. It's fun that he's just getting started. So that's good to me. I enjoy that. Uh, my bad, and I feel bad for saying this though, but uh, is, is Anthony Castro. Our friend, friend of the podcast, friend of the podcast network. Yeah. Good guy, but uh, not so good so far this spring. And as I always say, bad guys who go in the bad category have a chance to get good again. I, these aren't the things that are scary.
0: They're not. It's, def- just, it's, not, uh, it's, not, it's not defined.
1: Yeah, this is not. A, this is bad. Um, yeah, he's given up pitch two innings, four hits, three walks, eight run runs. Not all of that is on him. You know, he's some guys have come in after he left the game. But it's, it's not just the results. You know, he's, his fastball has been topping out at 93. He's not throwing a ton of strikes. Uh, and obviously, there's a long way to go into the season. But you can't, you can't do both of those things. You, you can't throw a 93-mile-an-hour fastball and miss the zone a lot. You have to do one or the other to stay. So, you know, like I said, there's t- time for him to uh, ramp it up a little bit. And he's been known to kind of have some fluctuating velocity in the past. But, you know, they're going to start making – Cuts in the spring training roster soon, and if he doesn't come on and, and perform well in a couple outings, I worry that he's going to be among the first guys sent to uh, minor league camp, which would be a bummer, even though he's on the forty man roster. So, so that's my bad for now. Hopefully, he gets better.
0: Yeah, I and, mean, he, uh, my ugly. By the way, he's making me look. Oh, I was to say he's making me look bad because I did predict him to come to win a bullpen spot, but it's okay. I mean, yeah, and that's fine because I'm sure he'll figure it out sooner or later. He's got a, he's got good stuff and. I have faith in him. Continue. Go, go
1: ahead. Yeah, no, I, I like. I'm not trying to throw dirt on him or anything like that. I'm right. Just saying so far is not so good. I mean, he's obviously he's not been the worst pitcher in, in spring training. I would hand that award to Zach Gottlieb. But uh, you know, uh, anyway, am I ugly? At the risk of typecasting myself to an AL East <laughs> podcaster, like, you know, last week we talked about uh, we both talked about the Yankees and their injuries, but I want to talk about the Red Sox in their rotation this year because. uh Man, that's got a chance to get really ugly. Now Chris Sale is hurt, and we'll start the season on the injured list. It doesn't sound like it's he's headed for Tommy John surgery. Um, and I don't know. I, I read one thing that thinks that he might only miss two starts. I, I'm a little bit skeptical about that. And he's already a guy who's only thrown about 150 innings the last two seasons. You know, He's really good <laughs> when he pitches for the most part. But the durability is starting to go. And I don't think anybody would be surprised if he has to get Tommy John surgery. because People have been predicting that since they first saw him pitch. Uh, but behind them, you got Eduardo, Eduardo Rodriguez had a really good year last year, and he's a very solid, you know, above-average Major League pitcher. He's, he's reminds me a little bit of, like, Matthew Boyd, where he's he's a passable number-one starter on a, you know, average-to-bad team. But more likely, if you're, like, a championship contender, he's more like a number th- three, or number four. Uh, but then after that, you know, David Price and Rick Porcello are both gone now. They traded uh, Price away, and Porcello signed with the Mets, I believe. Yeah, that's correct. And then yep. they got... Uh Nathan Uvalde who threw all 67 innings last year. He's been injured all the time. I think he's got two Tommy Johns on him already. <clears throat> he's never healthy. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> so you've got Rodriguez and Uvalde are your top two and then sale when he comes back. And then you've got Martin Perez who looked good for like a month or two last year for the twins, and then turned back into a pumpkin. And after that, they're talking about, uh, well, with Martin Perez, he's he's basically like if you look for the past three years, uh, among pitchers who have thrown 400 innings, he has the third worst uh, FIP in baseball just ahead of Jordan Zimmerman. That's how bad Martin Perez has been. So that's what the Red Sox are rolling out there. They're basically rolling Jordan Zimmerman out there. Uh, and then it's Ryan Weber, a 29-year-old who has pitched all of 114 innings in the major leagues, uh, 40 of which came last year for the Red Sox, albeit in the bullpen as a sinker baller <laughs> reliever. So that's, I mean, I've even heard suggestions that they're going to have Matt Hall, former Tigers lefty, uh, in the starting rotation this year. So man, I, I think, I think it's got a chance to be really ugly. Now they did bring in Heim Bloom uh, from the Rays, you know, the founders of the the bullpen system and the openers and stuff like that. So I think they're going to get creative, and it, it's there's a chance they can outperform what it looks like here. But it wouldn't shock me at all if we look at the end of the season and the Red Sox. I uh, got worse performance out of the starters than the Tigers. I, I, it's just it's amazing how quickly things turned ugly there in that that rotation.
0: And, and and the thing is though, with the way the NL East is shaping up right now, the Yankees are the, An- the Yankees are pretty decimated with their in- starters too. And, and, but they have enough depth to be fair. They yeah ha- do they do have enough depth to overcome that? Their bats are mm-hmm. going to take a little while before they can get consistent or injury free. With Judge going to sp- might not start the year. We'll talk to Stacey about that more next week, but. The Yankees are has some issues. The Orioles are, you know, still a couple of years away from doing anything. Yeah. But I mean, it's a it's a plethora of like what what the hell is going on there. But uh, Toronto, uh, Toronto, Nate. I don't know if Nate Peterson is Nate Peterson going to start the year with the team on the rotation. I, I don't know the Jays. What's that? I'm sorry. Or, no, it's, uh, the Nate Peterson is he going to be joining the team this year for Toronto? Or are they going to get spend another year in the minors? Or Is he about another year away?
1: Oh, I, I think he will join the team this year, but they're gonna gain the service time. I ah, think for sure. Okay. You know they did it with Vlad. They did it. To, yeah, they're gonna do it with him.
0: Okay. Yeah, but either way, you're right, Chris. This is this is bad for Boston. the Boston. The, the fact that nothing against Matt Hall, who, by the way, has a ERA of the spring this year of nine, uh, two innings, mm-hmm. three hits, two runs. And I think I think Matt, I think Matt Hall's mom follows us on Twitter at the Tech Weekly Report, but. Anyway, we, we hope nothing but the best for Matt And I hope he does get the spot and he gets the goal. He'll be off up. there. Yeah,
1: yeah if he gets, the, he gets a rotation spot and, and runs with it, that'd be very cool for him.
0: Yeah. And uh, speaking of the Orioles, by the way, real quick, before we get Chris Davis is off to a st- smoking start. I mean, again, spring training doesn't matter. <laughs> but all things considering, Chris, what this guy has yeah. been through the last couple of seasons, what, once, he batted 179 last year. He's 5 for 8. His OPS, as uh, Jed UK pointed out, his OPS – is, is ridiculous. Over 2,000. OPS right now. And this is, again, just spring training. Doesn't matter. Five for eight, dot, dot, dot. But all things considering what this guy has been through, hey, you could know, take any good with the bad.
1: Yeah, you know, he's one of the few guys in spring training who has a better OPS than Riley Green. Yeah. Which is uh, pretty remarkable. Yeah, no, I, I think he made. I think, didn't Dan, when we talked to Dan Saborski didn't he say something about how Chris Davis was one of the most improved players in baseball last year? Yes. But still really bad. Yeah. That's how bad his 2018 was. So, he, uh, yeah, you know.
0: I guess he changed his diet, too. So. I mean, obviously, he's going to keep
1: climbing because he's making a ton of money. Yeah. So it reminds me a little bit, almost like the hitter equivalent of, like, Anibal Sanchez, where just, uh, it'd be cool for him to have more. Really tough year, and uh, not going to have the nice storybook that Sanchez did last year.
0: Yeah, and yeah, um, I don't know. It's just it for the Orioles, they need all the the good news they can get. So that that's 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 something. So, but yeah, they still need a lot of pitching. But let's go to the good. My good this week can <clears throat> split in two different ways. More mic'd up players. Uh, they up. Players <laughs> yes. are awesome. Please, and I, I, I'm, I'm gonna play the audio right now, of Pete Alonso being mic'd up here. It's some gold right here. Got
2: it, baby. Good throw. Oh,
0: the pitch, the, the relay. Rene Rivera cut down Sauvietti. and Rene Charlie Rivera, Harris, one out. <laughs> he was doing, yeah, he did, uh, he did, he was doing play by play, and then this is the single right yeah. here. The boys.
1: Yeah, so the the whole thing I looked really stupid swing that first slider. So I
2: feel like he had uh so I feel like he was gonna double up. So and also in a in a situation like that, turn drive a guy in.
0: I like that. There's should be more of that. Please more of that. Yeah.
1: No, I uh you know, um they had uh was Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant mic'd up for a game.
0: Yeah, that was awesome.
1: I remember they they've done that in the uh the first time I remember them doing it, I think they did it in the All-Star game. I remember them talking to George Springer and maybe Bryce Harper. And then they they do it in the Futures game. They had Royce Lewis mic'd up last year. And, yeah, it, it's it's very fun. I, I don't uh, – I mean, I understand they don't want to do that every game and stuff like that. But it's 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 very cool to hear these guys, like, you know, hear them talking while in the middle of the game. Yeah, because they
0: have – tr- oh, I'm sorry.
1: No, I mean you want them to concentrate on the game, but I mean these—come on, these are world-class players. They can concentrate on the game and talk while they're playing. But all it would take would be somebody who is on, you know, on mic talking to people, and then uh, you know, misses messes up a play, and that'll be the end of it.
0: Yeah, one stupid thing will be said in anger, and then it'll cause a whole—they'll get canceled on society kind of thing, and it'll just be a bad news, but. No, it was good because I know even Trevor Bauer was telling was against the was against the Royals. Yeah, against the Royals when he was pitching for the Reds, just kind of telling him, "Hey, this is what's coming," and that was cool too. Like, man, I'm starting like Trevor Bauer. That's to me, that's weird because I never thought in a million years I would, but that is pretty a badass move. My bad this week is the Chicago Cubs in the second base battle. So we talk about we talked about the Tigers a little earlier and what they had what's going on and sorting through. The battle between Lugo and Lugo and uh, wow, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Ken Candelario. but for yeah. for the the, the the Cubs right now, the Cubs are in a really bad spot. So you have David Boyd as your candidate who comes off a start last year, two fifty seven. You have D- uh, Daniel Delasco, Nico Honer, and Jason Kipnis who's coming in the camp and. Chris, none of them are really standing out, and, and Homer or Nico, uh, their, uh Nico Hohner, who's their top prospect, really hasn't done anything to kind of separate himself too. And I mean, the Cubs have holes all over the place. They didn't, they didn't have a, they, they did not. I mean, they put self-imposed payroll limits, which is ridiculous, but mm-hmm. they, you know, they, uh, Addison Russell was non-tendered, and Ben, Ben, over, Ben both over, they're both unsigned, by the way. So that's a tall tale sign. The same thing with. Um, yeah, so Puig, but yeah, who are you going to put in second base? That's bad for a team like this that should, and I think the Cubs should have addressed this pretty quickly. But, yeah, your four guys are just kind of, eh.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting matchup there. I, I don't even remember. I thought Ian Happ came up playing some second base, but then they moved him to the outfield. I wonder if they would put him back, although he's not exactly uh, – I mean, he hasn't been tearing the cover off the ball the last couple of years either. So, yeah, it's a, it's a hole there for him it will be interesting to see who they. I, I would assume
0: that Nico
1: Horner eventually wins out, but uh, yeah, like you said, you know he hasn't done much yet, so got to see it happen.
0: Yeah, and my ugly this week goes off to where you're talking about the Boston Red Sox pitching staff, Chris Sale, and it kind of leaves off to Chris Sale's getting a third opinion, third opinion on his elbow. So I don't know how many more opinions you need, and. It, It's, I don't know, Chris, I I feel like you've been saying this for a while. Like Minority Report or something like that? (laughs) (laughs) Or I remember, I mean, you've said this for a couple of years now, that Sale looks like his arm's going to fall off any time, and maybe that's happening now?
1: Yeah, I I mean, people have been predicting that since he got drafted, because it's such an unusual
0: violent motion. yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I mean, he's been hurt the last couple of years, and yeah, it's hard to figure what, like, when you get a, a third opinion, like, so you don't get a se- second opinion if the first opinion is is good news, right? You right. don't like, you know, hey, you're free of cancer. You don't go to another doctor. Like, hey, you sure I'm free of cancer? Um, So I feel like the first doctor was probably like, you should probably get some sort of surgery. And they went to another one and they're like, yeah, maybe. And now they're going to a third one where... I don't know. It'll, it'll be interesting to see what what comes out of that. I can't recall anybody ever getting a third opinion.
0: I can't either. And it, maybe their their doctors, you know, do they David Hasselhoff? Everything's fine. Like just, uh, yeah. It, it for the for the Red Sox, this is just kind of it alluded to your ugly being similar in mind. It's just it's not good news across the board. You have Alex uh, Virgo, Alex Virgo, who also I think is is injured right now. So it's just kind of a kind of a hodgepodge of ugliness right now for, for the Red Sox, but that is my good and bad ugliness for this week. The, the one thing I wanted to get to before the questions is the two-way, the new two-way player rule. Uh, Chris, I know we, we haven't really had a chance mm-hmm. to talk about this. You, and I know you, we've looked, normally you don't talk the rules too much very often, but this is an interesting rule because there's only one player that kind of this affects because there's only one it's, it, it's a Otani yeah. rule technically, right?
1: Yeah, basically that because I think, what is it? You have to have had a certain number of appearances the yep. season before as a pitcher or a certain number of uh, at-bats so if he's the only one who qualifies.
0: Correct. So a player must accrue to both at least 20 major league innings and at least 20 games started either as a position player or designated or with at least three played appearances in each of those games either the current season or the previous season. Position players must be designated as a two-way player in advance in which they pitched. Once their designated is put in place – it remains in effect and cannot change for the remainder of the season or the postseason.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if if I'm not mistaken, there's some, like, wacky rule where you can go on the injured list as one part of your two-way player but not the other. <laughs> like, you could go on the injured list as a pitcher and still be a hitter and then they can bring up another player or something like that. I, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a very interesting, unique thing. Like you said, it's the Shohei Otani rule. Um. I don't know if we'll see Brendan McKay get uh, get that treatment or not. He's not much of a hitter, I don't think. At least as a major league hitter, he's obviously very talented. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it seemed like for a while, for a minute there, we're going to see a bunch more two-way players, like Jake Cronenworth and all these other interesting and, – and I think it, we're not going to. <laughs> I think it's just going to be Otani until he decides to pick one or the other.
0: And you went to another part of the weird rule about this, too, Chris. The only way a position player is not designated as a two-way player can pitch in a game if his team is winning or losing by seven or more runs. It six
1: or, is it seven? I thought it was yeah. six, but yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. Or if the game goes in extra innings.
1: Yeah, they don't want teams just thrown in the towel, like, down, down four runs, and they don't want to use any more relievers, so they bring out a, you know— Andrew Romine to throw a couple innings and get beat up. So, yeah, I don't uh, – and they may, they may be doing that also to, to prevent teams from kind of trying to game the, the uh, two-way player system. Yeah. But, you know, it was the sort of thing that didn't appear terribly necessary to me, but it was something I guess they, they figured they needed to take care of now sooner than later before – some issue happens and somebody's playing a game under protest and all that nonsense.
0: Yeah. And there's a, a guy like, uh, I'm trying to think of, what was it the former, was it the, uh, was it Michael Lorenz?
1: Michael Lorenzen? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Lorenzen. Yeah. So he, I mean, he was a position player and he pitched out of relief last year. So yeah.
1: Center fielder and reliever, I believe.
0: Yeah. So, so yeah. And he's in the, he's in the L. So all right, let's get the questions. We do have a couple questions this week, and let's start with the more positive question. I do like this question from your buddy Chris.
1: Oh, okay. So, my friend Rob, uh, he seems to think that we generally focus on uh, players who are we think are overrated or players who suck. I like to think that we're just uh,
0: realistic. Realistic, yeah, I agree.
1: But uh, but he did. He asked the question. He said, uh, "How about naming a prospect and an MLB player for the Tigers who might overperform this year?" Um, and I don't know if you want to go first or I, I can go first, but, uh, go ahead. I'll go go ahead first. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, so for, for my prospect, I have, uh, I have Willie Castro, who I think gets forgotten about a little bit, uh, because, you know, he came up, we saw him last year. He didn't, he was like every other rookie that came up last year. He was pretty much overwhelmed at the MLB level. He didn't do a whole lot. He struggled with some defense in the off season, but, uh, I don't know, There's some things there that I think, you know, he could be a solid major leaguer. Um, Number one, he's, he's fast. He's got, like, 88th percentile speed, which helps. You know, he's, he's not a terribly prolific base stealer, but he's pretty efficient when he does decide to steal bases. And you you, might, you touched on it earlier about the pancake like, pancake glove or whatever. The, the, one of the stories they've been talking about is his improved defense at shortstop this year. Um yeah you know, he he's, he improves there he's got the tools to be an above average defensive shortstop you know he's got the range and the arm and, and all that stuff he just needed to cut down on some errors and they think that he's done that this year and got, getting himself in a better position uh and then the question becomes the bat you know he's never going to be a big walk guy i think he might top out as like a 6 7% walk guy which is not ideal but it's not like just a a uh, you know it's not going to cancel him out like a, Dowell, a Lugu 3% here Oh, Castro, 2% walk rate. And he didn't hit the ball very hard at all last year. Again, it's a small sample. His his average exit velocity was 83.2 miles per hour, which was 51st out of 55 shortstops. So not great. But here's where I think things get interesting. He did hit a ball 112 miles an hour last year, which ranked 10th out of all shortstops. So I think it's in there. And even if you look, you look out of all players, that was in like the top quarter 112 miles an hour that's that's harder that's a harder hit ball than than uh trevor story hit last year or it's same as freddie freeman harder than tyler o'neill who we were talking about you know these, these are harder than justin upton there, there are a lot of big time paul goldschmidt top that at a 111.5 so so willie castro has some juice in there that doesn't necessarily mean he's go, gonna hit for a ton of power you know Jamer candelario hit uh hit a ball 114 miles an hour last year and he hasn't done a whole lot but I think that the potential impact is in there. He's got a launch angle of like 17 degrees, which is, is good for hitting for power. And, you know, Fangraphs has minor league exit velocity numbers, you know, generally. And they had Willie Castro at uh, 87, which was the same as Riley Green. And Max is not at 108 down there, which is one of the higher max exit velocities uh, for the Tigers in the minors. So, I, like I said, I think there's the potential for him to, to do some damage with the bat. When he gets regular playing time. And I don't think it's like a, you know, I'm not saying he's like a 25 home run guy or anything like that, but I think you put it all together and I could see him having kind of uh, a Willie Adamas, uh, Ahmed Rosario, sort of as a guy who he'll hit you 15, 20 home runs maybe with regular playing time and steal 15 bases while playing average or slightly above average defense at shortstop. And that's like a 2-3-1 player, I think. it's Well, I'm not saying it's going to happen. He's got to be able to, to be a little bit more selective at the plate. And, and I think Major League secondary pitches in particular gave him a lot of trouble last year. But I think with more experience, he, he could be a solid average Major Leaguer. So he's a guy I'm looking for to, to see what he can do this year. Now, there's not a whole lot of room for him to play. We talked about it earlier that, uh, you know, when we were talking about Mercer. But it wouldn't shock me if, if uh, at some point this year Let's say he's down in Toledo and he's hitting 330 with power. Like, what do, what do you do? Are you going to just keep him there because you've got Nico Goodrum and Jamer Candelario um, and Jamer's not hitting? I, I I could see Willie Castro coming up. So that's that's my hitter uh, and my pitcher. And this isn't, uh, I don't think, I'm not going, you know, crazy report. I think Spencer Turnbull has a chance to really do well this year. He's a guy he ended up having the best FIP among the starters last year like three-9 better than Matthew Boyd because he doesn't give up home runs we talked about it a lot The Turnbull just limits uh, fly balls and I think that the Tigers did a pretty good job of improving their infield defense this year Crone uh, and, and scope are, are upgrades over you know what did Dixon and John Hicks and Harold Castro and whoever the hell else they had, uh, you know, Gordon Beckham there. They are, if you just go by defensive run saves, they're like 30 runs better just uh, at first or at first second and shortstop. If you count Nico Goodrum over uh, Jordy Mercer and Ken was solid at third base. So I think there could be an improvement there just from the defense behind him. And uh, you know, he's now in his second year, second full season. He's, I don't think there's going to be much that surprises him. The, the main question with Turnbull is going to be health and throwing strikes. You know, he, he gets a little loose with his control. If he can rein that in a little bit, he's already looked pretty damn good in spring. Uh, if he can stay healthy, and that's been a long, big if throughout his career. But he was, you know, he was a 2, 2.9 f pitcher last year in 148 innings. Which, if you look at, there were 88 pitchers in the majors last year who threw 140 innings and turned ranked 41st. So he's, like, right there in the middle. That's the middle of the pack. And if by some miracle you know, he managed to throw, like, 180, 200 innings, I think he could be a four-win pitcher, which would be, uh, you know, damn good. Really impressive. But uh, like I said, it's a big if with the health. But those are two guys I'm looking to see, uh, I think, could outperform expectations this year.
0: Those are pretty good ones. And, I mean, Willie Castro you- – the evidence you supplied is really good, and for Spencer Turnbull, yeah, if stays healthy, and I know that we talked about among our chat him possibly and being a reliever, and if if he doesn't health wise doesn't hold up, I could see him possibly and being a really good reliever.
1: Yeah, and actually, and that's you know, it's entirely possible that everything goes sideways for both of these guys this year. Turnbull gets hurt. Loses velocity, something happens, uh, can't throw strikes, and he gets moved to the bullpen. You know, we see that stuff. I, I just think there's a chance for these two guys to to improve and and uh, kind of surprise. And, and
0: yeah, and there is a possibility for Spencer if he can if he could go out there and provide at least five or six innings of start, go out there and do a couple quality starts. That's. I mean, the the Tigers' rotation for what it's worth, the pitching rotation last year, the starting rotation wasn't bad. It it was the bullpen that was a, a dumpster fire, but the pen itself, or excuse me, the rotation, and he was he was a highlight of it. Again, I don't know why he didn't get Rookie of the Year. We voted we well, voted for him, but
1: <laughs> yeah, well, um, oh yeah, for the Detroit, yeah, yeah. Harold Castro got it. That
0: yeah, was, uh, um, yeah, Sorry, it.
1: Uh... Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's like we talked about before. Yeah, that the rotation was fine last year, and he was he was a highlight. He he made like thirty starts or twenty eight starts or something like that. His issue was he just he wasn't working late in games, and he, he tended to have trouble when he uh he got to the third time around the, through the order. But like I said, I, I think there's room for growth there, and it was a pretty impressive campaign. So you know, I think he could be better this year.
0: For sure. And if he, well, hopefully, he just goes in good health and there's there's no issue with it. So my okay. So for my two players on the big league club, I'm going with Travis Demerit. I'll start with Travis Demerit first because I here's the thing about Travis Demerit. Last year came up came up from in the, the Atlanta deal, and he really I know he got off to a bad start, and I understand that a lot of Tiger fans. He had a bad, bad month. But I, I think, look at the power. You saw two home runs the other day against Minnesota. It shows there. But I, I want to go a little bit, but well, just the recent spring training power. This guy, in terms of his walk rate last year, he walked above 12% in AAA. He came to the Tigers, and he was actually drawing walks, which not a lot of Tiger batters did last year. And It was something that right away, they have that kind of play discipline already for among the outfielders and who the Tigers have out there. look. He, in a short sample size, he had a walk rate, according to Fangrass, around 7%, which was one of the better ones among the outfield. Did he strike out a lot? Sure, yes, absolutely. But he had an ISO power over 200 in the minors, and there's there's power in that bat. And I think once he figures it out a little bit on a major le- level, he, he, he's a guy who I, I think once he can get that all together, I think he's not only provide power, but he can play left field too. So if Christian Stewart struggles – he can both play, play, both play both corner positions. And you know, if all else fails, he can play second base if need to, but that's not gonna be the case. But still, in terms of even uh kind of plate discipline, that's where I look at it the most. His if you look at it, something like exit velocity at like something like along those lines, I can tell you that ninety point seven. Ninety point seven, which is not bad at all. And his launch angles is what?
1: same same as Cody Bellinger and Mike Trout.
0: Yeah. And what is his launch angle? Fifteen point six? Yep. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I'm a little bit where, like you know, I said, but Willie Castro's launching angle. Without digging into that more, it could just be a whole bunch of ground balls and a whole bunch of pop flies that average out. But, but yeah, generally speaking, that's he's hitting line drives when he hits it, and he hits them hard. Right. So yeah, I think that's he's another guy who's got definite room for growth. It's it's like you said, it's he just needs to kind of tighten up the strike zone a little bit. Yeah. And, and make contact when he swings.
0: Yeah, and he's had three seasons of 20 or more twenty or more home runs. He had 20 home runs. He had 25 home runs, which kind of st- stood out to him, stood out to me early on in his career in Texas. But, again, if you walk around 10%, and if you can keep it up around – right now it's currently at 7 but if you go above 8 or closer to 10%, that will keep you around a little bit in the major league level. So, to me, that's that's something I think this year he'll step up. And if he makes the team out of the twenty six man while they figure yeah. things out, that's fine by me. I mean, you never know. Cameron Maven has an injury history list pretty extensively. So you can never know. You can put him out there. And my pitcher is Gregory Soto. And Soto is its either he gets – so Soto has some some tangibles there. But then, as Kim pointed out today, and he was absolutely right, he got hit up pretty hard. His, his arm angle was dropping down again, as Kim pointed out earlier on Twitter. But – I don't know. I think Gregory Soto, this is a, a power lefty there. And we talked with Marching Orders. It was an excellent job there by Jason and and Chip talking about him a little bit in terms of if he can consistently put it out there. He could be a really good reliever. And I think it's just right now spring training. I'm, I'm going to ignore spring training because it is what it is. It's spring training. But his slider has fa- his been really devastating. fastballs around 94, 95. And I think if he can get it – if he can get – I think it's in between the ears a little bit, but I don't know, Chris. It, it, there's some, there's, there's, there's something in that arm there. I think that would make me think that he could be a reliever. That I, I don't like. I, I think, he, I think a the year they'll figure it out, and I think that he, he might surprise some people.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think, uh, I think that's a good one too because it's another another guy who who got a taste the major leagues and. and had some struggles, but also showed some good stuff. And like you said, the, the arm is legit. He just needs to find a little bit of consistency. And you never know when relievers will do that. Every now and then, they'll just magically like, oh, that's all I have to do. And start start, start throwing strikes every time. And, uh, and even really, I mean, you don't need him to throw a ton of strikes. He just needs to be better than he has been. Because uh, you know, with that arm, if he's touching ninety-seven, ninety-eight from the left side, yeah, there's not a whole lot of guys who can mess with that. So I could definitely see both of those dudes stepping up this year.
0: Yeah, and and for the Tigers, really, the, the, they need a little luck. I mean, the the, the merit, it was a throwaway, it was a throwaway in there because the Braves had a plethora of outfielders and prospects out there, but the Tigers can get a little bit. I, I, there's some signs with the the power alone with the merit. Versoto. There's some sequencing issues that he could work on a little bit, making sure his delivery is consistent throughout. And if they can figure that out, I think he yeah ninety six ninety seven. I was saying ninety four because the only time i seen seen in the spring was hitting ninety five. That slider was oh that was that was a nice slider. It was just it just breaks it off really nicely. So um, was there any other questions? Oh no, uh, we had a question about the Yankee system too, right? Yeah, a couple couple questions. Oh yeah, we that's had, right. We uh, had the, yeah Cody Clemens question too. Forgot about that.
1: Yeah, the um, friend of the show, Dynasty Dave, Corporal Eddie. Corporal Eddie. Uh, good, said, good friend of oh, the show. Cody Clemens. Yeah. He hit a dinger yesterday and profiles as a solid bat. Do you think he could be a second base option for the Tigers at the big league level? Um, I've got an answer for this. Uh, do you have one, Roger?
0: Yeah, go for it, man.
1: Um, so, yeah, it's been nice. He's, he's played pretty well so far this spring. I think he's like 5-13 or something like that. He, that. That home run was pretty one-dated. I was watching that, and it was like a pop fly to. Left field that just kept going, uh, but still putting the ball in the air to the opposite field with enough power to use the wind is good. And he's got some pop. I am I'm still skeptical despite that the hot start. There are, and this is probably just my bias from the the first few times I saw him in pro ball. He just looked like he had a lot of holes in his swing and kind of the traditional holes, you know, the the fast balls up and the breaking balls down and in. It seemed like he just couldn't lay off them and couldn't hit them. He's he's but he's worked some solid at bats this year uh, this the spring and he'll do that you know he's got he's got some uh, some plate discipline and he's got some pop I just I think he's a, he's a basically a deadpool hitter on the ground at least so we can probably throw out any any concept of him hitting for a lot of average you know he's just going to get shifted to death so I would I would cap his batting average around 240 to 250 at the major league level at best. Uh, So what we really need is is for him to show that he's a legitimate power threat. Uh, So I'm, you know, I want to see like 15 home runs by July (laughs) in Erie. And then I'll be like, all right, this is, this is fun. We could do this. Um, And, you know, it's possible Erie, you could hit some, for some power there, but I I just, I kind of need to see it before I believe in it at this point. It's, it's nice that he's having a good spring, but I want to see him do it at the double A level. Um, because right now, I kind of what I envision for Cody Clemens, like like the most realistic best case scenario, is kind of like a second base version of Kristen Stewart. And I don't mean like the Kristen Stewart we are promised, who is going to walk and hit thirty bombs. I mean the Kristen Stewart we've seen, who hits two thirty and walks a little bit, but doesn't hit for nearly enough power and plays uh, poor to middling defense. I, I I think that's just kind of what I picture for Cody Clemens. That doesn't mean he can't play second base for the Tigers in the future, but he's going to need to make some advancements before I can say, yeah, he's going to be there starting second baseman on opening day, 2020 or whatever, 2021. Um, I'm a little bit skeptical is all I'm saying.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, let me just add, we talked about Cole Peterson who made a really good play the other day and he's viewed one of the best defensive infielders out there. And Clemens, Chris, doesn't, Clemens doesn't really come up conversation wise in terms of even one of the top five defenders in the system, does he?
1: No. I mean, you're you're hoping that he can be average at second base. It's it's a bat first, second baseman. Like he's not brutal, but it's not you know, he's not gonna be ranging up the middle and stealing hits and, and stuff like that. It's it's you know, he's gonna be able he's gonna be fine there. Um so that's you know it's the pressures on the bat, and within that the pressures on the power, I think.
0: Oh, to- um, Technically, uh, he's had a better spring than Nick Marshall.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> there are, there are. Uh, we get This is kind of gets into the other question. Uh, Keith Law didn't even put Nick Madrigal on his top 100 because uh, Nick Madrigal has bottom of the scale exit velocity numbers, in in the minor leagues, like he's hitting like Willie Castro did, but in the minors, like 84 miles per hour, which is uh, there's not a whole lot of successful major leaguers who hit like that. It's like Jose Iglesias level bat exit uh, velocity, but there are other people b- who believe that that he's going to hit for enough contact and uh, yeah, he's fast enough that it's going to going to work. But but yeah, I, I there uh, just just to say yeah. that there are there are some Nick Madrigal doubters out there. But yeah, that, that was the the next question, sort of, was was about Keith Law, and this was from. Unless you had some more to say about Cody Clemens.
0: No, oh, that's it. That's it. Uh, is that from our uh, cowboy friend?
1: This is, yeah, Doc Holiday. Doc Holiday, yes. So he said, I want to hear how anyone in their right mind, not Keith Law, can see the Yankees is having a good farm right now. Wow. Um, and so this is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's I, Keith Law, we didn't touch on this, but he came out with his farm system rankings, and he had the Tigers 19th, which I'm surprised I didn't see more people complaining about. Uh, maybe I just am not in the right circles of uh, buffoonery. There's something. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it, it's definitely in the lower end of where I would rank them. I, I consider them more like a ten to fifteen. Um, I disagree with like that, he, had, he had the Royals 12th, and and I just I don't see it. Wait, we, what? Really? He, he the he's, Royals he's, like, he's the high. Yeah, he's the high man on uh, Daniel Lynch. I think in the industry. Um, but you know. I I don't think it would be too shocking to say that sometimes Keith law does things to get a rise out of people or get attention. I, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that he doesn't believe this, but I think, uh, but in any event, um, I, I, I think when we talk about farm systems, when you're ranking a farm system as a whole, you're basically looking at three things, right? You're looking at the impact talent, right? You're looking at the depth and you're looking at the upside. Um, and I, I don't know anybody who would argue that the tiger, that the Yankees have more impact talent close to the big leagues than the tigers. When they got David Garcia who, who has some pretty nasty stuff, but there's real questions. He's like five foot nine. There's real questions about his role. He's probably a, a reliever. Uh, uh, we'll see. And then after that, like Clark Schmidt, you know, the brother of former tigers, uh, minor leaguer, Clay Schmidt, who's a, a good solid pitcher. He was at South Carolina. I think, uh, but you are talking about like maybe a number four starter profile. Like I think the Tigers legitimately have four prospects with higher upsides in, uh, than than anybody on the Yankees right now, at least anybody above a ball. But uh, and this just comes to, comes down to how you rank the system, what you value in terms of depth and upside. The Yankees absolutely blow the the Tigers out of the water, and, and they blow just about everybody else in baseball out of the water. It's just. All this, this depth and upside is at like a ball or rookie level, um, and so we talk about this with the Padres guys and Tigers fans about Adenso Reyes and Jose De La Cruz and Roberto Campos because uh, they're toolsy young, you know, Latin kids, and we haven't had a whole lot of those lately. The Yankees have like thirty of those guys. Seriously, like they they grow them in labs. They've got these ridiculously toolsy outfielders, these infielders who can hit. They, they just grow these relievers on trees or did pitchers you, who throw 100.
0: Did you mention Jason Dominguez, right? That, that's the kid that can not there. I didn't mention him, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's the guy they just signed. What, $5 million uh, or something like that? This,
1: yeah, this, this uh, July 2nd, last July 2nd. Yeah. Uh, and they call him the Martian because he is so ridiculously physically gifted that he's, he's – now, I'm super wary of guys who've never actually played <laughs> in a competitive game. Like Kevin Maiton was supposed to be the next Miguel Cabrera and he came out and he was just like, oh, oh no. But I think Jason Domingos has been seen more and and people compare his body to like Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout, like in his skills. He's, he's got this absurd uh, combination. I think they said, like he said, like 560 or 65 tools, just just insane. Um, and that's just I mean, they don't have guys, tons of guys like that, but they, they just have these athletes and and the thing about that is these are all guys with huge ceilings that are all, you know, the vast majority of them are going to bust out, but the tigers have three of them and the odds of those guys making, making it at all are probably pretty slim. But when you have 20, you got a pretty good chance to to get yourself a Ronald Acuna or a a Juan Soto or a Vlad Guerrero or Fernando Tatis. I mean, those are the outstanding examples or a Gleyber Torres or something like that. but, but, they just have a lot more of that. Once, once you get down past the top five, six prospects in the tiger system, it gets really iffy. Uh, in, in, not in terms of, you know, Hey, will this guy make the majors? Uh, there's some more talent like that, but, but just in terms of ceiling, there are so many more high ceiling players in the Yankee system than there on the tigers. And and if that's what you value as a ranker, then you could, uh, say they have a good farm system. I think, and I I'm kind of partial to to systems who have a lot more talent at the higher levels, but I'm jealous as hell of of the depth and and the upside the Yankees have. And that's why, you know, an ideal system would be like the Dodgers or the rays or the Padres where they have all three of those things we're talking about. The, the upside, the, uh, you know, the depth and, and the impact talent close to the majors. But, uh, Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that answers the question.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, I agree with Keith Law for 19th because I think it's fair because the Tigers, outside of the pitching, which is top-heavy, he is right. He called it a top-heavy system, and he's absolutely correct. They don't have... If you look at Erie's roster this year, it's not nearly as deep as it once was, and you still don't know what you're getting out of Brian Packer. I mean, Brian Packer looks good to us. Andre Lipkis looks good, but they're not top 100 as of yet. We don't know if they will be. And
1: Look, yeah, I mean, you know those guys scream a top one hundred prospect to me, even if they right. break out this year.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and another thing too is, I know Keith Law has pissed off a lot of Tiger fans. He was one that called out Brad Osmus for those uh, wife beating comment that he joked, He apologized for Keith Law. was like, nope, sorry, you don't get an apology. Screw you. And a lot of and a lot of Tiger fans. I think it was it two twenty fifteen. He voted the Tigers the worst farm system. And I wrote about this on Motor City Bengals. He voted the, he voted the Tigers the worst farm system. And, he, and like Tiger fans don't like the fact that he has, but hate to say it. Oh, he's always hated the Tigers. Well, folks, he's also been right. Come on, I mean, like, <laughs> no, no, seriously. Like he liked Derek Hill. He's liked Derek Hill since the beginning. Derek Hill is certainly finally coming around. But he liked Derek Hill before everybody knew who Derek Will- Hill was. So I, I don't know. I just I I think he has valid points. Sometimes I I think uh, sometimes he is an anti and ant, like he is a dick. But I think he mm-hmm. I think he relevant He loves it. I think he loves that role. He's been again. And there was a Tiger tagstown message board where people were like saying, "Oh, he's rude to fans and all that stuff." Well, fine. Okay, that that you, if, 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 that's legitimate beef. Okay, I can't fault that for. But the Yankees number six. Well, I'm a little high on, but I mean, still, I mean, the Royals number twelve was far ridiculous. The Indians, by the way, came in at number twenty one and that kind of surprised me a little yeah lot. i
1: mean that surprised me because they they've got a lot of interesting <laughs> young depth uh, at the lower levels too it's you know it's one of those things where unless you are very well versed on all 30 farm systems then i don't know it's hard for me to you know to, to believe anybody who's really complaining uh, you're you're just kind of being a fan complaining about Bingo. why your team higher you know it's it's uh, and, and obviously, not you know, one person can't know everything about every farm system, but I have a pretty comfortable saying that Keith Law uh, knows more prospects than most people who are complaining about this.
0: Yeah, he's written a couple books, and you might not yeah. you you might not like him, but yeah, he's written you know. But either way, regardless, it is what it is. Nineteenth is fine by me, and the Tigers have room for improvement if they get some more infield or outfield prospects that are. More than not, just organizational, as Chip would say, fodder. Then yeah. we can talk, then rise up.
1: Four picks in the top seventy-five this year. They get, they gotta, they gotta nail those.
0: They definitely do. So we're out of time. Thank you so much for listening to Tiger Sister D on the Tiger Manly Report Network and on Detroit dot com. Leave us a review. Let us know what you think. We appreciate. Again, we appreciate Daniel. I'm trying to blank his name again. Um, that's bad. I'm bad with names tonight. Chakta,
1: uh,
0: Chakta. <laughs> uh, hold on, I have to edit this out later. Um, hang on, okay, so I'll start over again. Our thanks again to Daniel Shapta for coming by. You can find him on Twitter at C seventeen Talking Cardinals. Talked to Cardinals for a little bit. And it was a really good conversation. Next week, Stacey Gastulius, which I can name say her name now perfectly for some reason. I last year I was so petrified to say her <laughs> name right. But uh, Stacy will be joining us talking Yankees next week, so be prepared for a probably a two-part show because the last time she was on, we didn't get off the we didn't off the lines almost twelve thirty, and we started like at around <laughs> nine. So this time we are going to start a little early, and we're gonna um, we're gonna have her on the entire show because she she was one of our – I think honestly Chris out of all the of all the people we've had on she's probably the top five. It's just she knows her stuff, uh, she knows her baseball, but music just some like. It like just yeah yeah she got she got two songs stuck in my head for a week by the way so yeah anyway
1: <laughs> I want to talk to her about how uh, like all the hit songs in the eighties were just about the end of the world <laughs> something I didn't realize until recently
0: no I never you know you know what's funny too is like it never occurred to me too when she there was one song uh, don't disturb the groove which is like this I uh, forgot the name of the band but there's so many groups out there there was like just two people. It was just two dudes. Like it was yeah. usually two dudes with a keyboard, and a singer. That was it.
1: Yeah, that's all you need. You don't need more than that.
0: Yeah, or uh, give me
1: a band without a guitar player. That's what I want.
0: I want a key, I want a keycar guitar player. That's what I want. No, no, I actually don't. No one wants that. No, Michael. Yeah. The only person I can think of that did play the guitar with authority was the guy John Hammer. John Hammer, who did the voice, who did oh. the theme for my Miami. Miami Vice. Vice. Remember that video he did? It was so so bad.
1: I- I don't
0: remember the video now. Oh yeah, we get a chance. Get off the line. Go YouTube, uh, John Hammer. John John Hammer, my, mm-hmm. Miami Vice video, and he is playing this crap out of this thing, and <laughs> on the streets of Miami, looking like he's a badass. And it's like, dude, you look, you look like like me, chubby, overweight dude, running the streets of Miami. That's not supposed to happen, my friend. But uh, I digress. But yeah, like I said, yeah. leave us a review. Let us know what you think and check out the latest marching orders episode number 4. Jason and I go in Spanish for a few minutes. We've talked about a little bit about Scarface being the most overrated movie cuz it is. And college post. See, now, hold on a second now. Uh, oh boy.
1: Well, I mean, it depends on how you're defining it overrated. Like, are you if you believe that it's classic cinema or like uh, you know, good art, then I would say that yeah, it probably is overrated. But come on. It's incredibly quotable. There's all sorts of iconic scenes. Brian De Palma. I mean, it just... Uh, I, said uh, <laughs> I, I said Oliver Stone.
0: I said Oliver Stone earlier. That was stupid on my part. I was thinking... Well, he yeah. wrote the screenplay. Oh, he did? Okay, so yeah, that's right. He did play. Okay, okay. I'm not Yeah,
1: Stone wrote the screenplay, and it uh, was inspired by the old uh, Scarface with, about Al Capone or whatever. But yeah, De Palma directed it, You know, and he's a great director, and he's a big fan of those long shots. I mean, you can't make it today. You can't have an Italian actor be a Cuban. Uh, no. Or, <laughs> I think uh, his best friend, Manny, was uh, British, I think? Stephen Bauer? I don't know. Yeah, like there there weren't a whole lot of actual Latin actors in there, which is not great. It's not great. But you get it Al Pacino, what are you going to do? Al Pacino, 1983, you let him go to town. <laughs> and, uh,. No, yeah, no. I mean, it's a, it's a Giorgio Moroder did the soundtrack. You can't mess with that. No, you, I don't know. I have uh, to fight you guys.
0: No, that, and that's fine. Like there, it, you know, I, I I get what you're saying. Like there's a lot of great quotable move parts of it and everything. And to me, my favorite Brian De Palma movie is Blowout. I just saw that last year and watched it twice. you Ever mm-hmm. seen Blowout? You know what that is? No, I haven't seen. it. So it's with John Travolta and, and actually one of one of his uh, ex wives, Nancy Allen, who was the female lead in RoboCop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so Nancy Allen's in it, and it, John Travolta, it plays a character whose movie sounding catches a shooting, catches like an assassination of a, 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 I think it was a governor. It's a part of the Creighton collection. It's a really good movie. Like, it's really underrated John Travolta movie, and this is him trying to shake away from the Saturday Night Fever, all that jazz. He does a really good job. This this is a really good movie, and Brian De Palma, that's one of, I, like, everybody talks about The Untouchables, which is a good movie. Carrie's good, too. Don't get me wrong. But Scarface, from that— Carlito's he, way. Yeah. Carlito's way, yeah, of course. Uh, by, body double is debatable because it's just kind of a soft core porn. And he did direct— I think this film Femme Fatale was pretty, pretty oh, much a
1: porno, too, right? With, yeah.
0: Uh, Rebecca. With Rebecca
1: Romaine Stamos.
0: Yeah, and then yeah. Anthony— uh, Antonio, No, Antonio Banderas uh, is yeah. in that movie. But, uh, no, even, like, um, he, he directed— I think he directed Bonfire of the Vanities, too. I think. I, I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah, I, no, he did. He did? Yep. Okay. Um, but there's also, like, for his like lesser-known movie, like, The Fury 2. Uh, he also did He also did Casualties of War. So.
1: Is that the Michael J. Fox one?
0: Yeah, with Sean Penn. Yeah. Sean Penn loses his ass. Yeah, I mean,
1: you know, he's not, like, the world's best director, but he's done some good movies, and I, I like him. Yeah. But listen, I, uh, <laughs> you're allowed to not like Scarface or think it's overrated. I just think, yeah. It was a big part of my youth, damn it.
0: No, I think for me, because uh, as a fellow Cuban, I think that's because my I used to get my dad so angry when people talk about that movie and how good, quote-unquote, good it was. And so, I don't know, I carry that. My dad's angry with me sometimes about it. But, it, I mean, it's, like I said, there's some really good quotable parts of it. And you see some of it come up in Narcos Mexico, which I've been watching. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, anyway, I'm not going to spoil it. If you're not watching Narcos Mexico, you should. Really good season. So, all right. No, yeah. On that note, oh, yeah, I know. I really want to, but uh, you got a time. You watch Narcos, right? We've talked about this before, right? Narcos?
1: I haven't watched Narcos. I want to.
0: No, Yeah. it's right up your alley. So until next week, we'll see you then. So say goodnight to the bad guy.